talking about love, and we're also talking about our Christmas playlist. Has anybody been listening to the Spotify playlist that we made for the church? Please tell me you are, because it is awesome, okay? It's super diverse. I love it. My kids are loving it. We're playing it on repeat at our house, and there are all kinds of songs on it. When I thought about the idea of making the Spotify playlist, I thought about some of the sounds of Christmas and the songs that I was used to singing. And ironically enough, the display, I don't know if that shows up on the um, live feed, but the display console record player, this was my grandma's record player. Now, you should have known my grandma because she was a very staunch free will Baptist lady. Um, And so this was taboo for her to have in her house. Um, And it could only play Christmas songs. And the records that you see there are the actual albums that she had. And do you remember how you used to be able to stack records up and then they would, like, fall down and play and then the next one would fall down and play? And she had just enough to stack it up and would play. They're all there except Elvis because I don't have very very many sentimental things um, except this record player and that Elvis album, Um, because I actually saw my grandma dance one time around the Christmas tree um, when Elvis came on. Um, And if you know anything um, about the way people grew up back then, that was a really big deal. And I love this record player. It stays at our house. It fits in my retro house now. It looked kind of weird when we had it on the farm, but I loved it because for so many years when I would open it, It would smell like Grandma's house. I called her Mammal. And do you know how smells can take you back? And all of a sudden, one smell can remind you of a million things. And I would love that every Christmas I would open that up and she would come out. (laughs) And I would remember. I was sitting pretty close to this the year that I got my very first Cabbage Patch Kid. That was a big deal. I was sitting close to this record player when I watched her. She was one of those kind where we all didn't open presents at the same time. The whole family took turns, and so it was like an all-day affair. We, got, we had snack breaks and all that kind of stuff. And she never wanted to open her gifts. She just wanted to watch everybody else open hers. And so it's ironic that I think of her and that this is all here and that we're talking about Christmas playlists. Because when I think of all the people in my life who have loved me well and who have loved with a supernatural love, my grandma was that kind of love. I, I emailed you a last-minute picture. Did you get it? Okay. That's really what she looked like, guys. It's not distorted on the screen, okay? She was almost as wide as she was tall. She was the most precious person you've ever met. Her waistline and her bra line were the same. Um, And on this particular day, we had been snowed in at her house. It was supposed to be her 50th wedding anniversary. We had to cancel it because we got about four and a half feet of snow in her little town of Kentucky. And when we woke up, she was making homemade donuts. And I said, Mama, aren't you sad that we didn't get to have your party? And she said, why would I be sad? Everybody I love is here. And so we went outside, and we made this snowman together. And I don't know if you can tell in this picture because it's really old because that's how old I am. 
she is wearing a dress, guys. Okay? Those are her bare legs that you see on the bottom because she was a really good Baptist lady. Okay? And she never wore pants. And she and I and all my cousins built that snowman that day. And I just love this picture because it reminds me that she loved me well. Well, you can take that picture off. It shows you I've had big glasses for a long time and big hair. I just, I, I was born to be a Texan, wasn't I? When I looked at all the Christmas stories this week and I thought, which one tells love the best? Because you see, Matthew, he gives us an account and he does a really good job of giving us the genealogy of Jesus. Luke is the one that a lot of us hear time and time again that tells us a beautiful story of how Christ came to the earth. Mark does a great job of telling us all about the things that happened before Jesus came and John the Baptist and his importance, and that's a beautiful part of the Christmas story. But so many times we skip over the one I want to talk about today. We skip over John's account of Christmas because it's a little different. It's a little different when John tells the story of it all. You see, theologians tell us that he was probably about 90 years old when he sat down to write this account. All the other apostles had already passed on, so that means he had already read their accounts. He tells us, as he writes later, that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. I think he understood what that word love means. And as I read commentary after commentary this week on breaking down this story that doesn't seem really Christmas-like, but yet has everything to do with Christmas, I learned how John, in all that he was, took all that he knew and made it very poetic. Oh, look, my Christmas charms are falling off. And so this morning, if you'll turn with me in your device or in your hard copy, if you have it, we're going to focus on one at the end, but I want to read you the first 14 verses of John. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought the light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn 
not with a physical birth resulting with human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Wow. That he could take the entire Christmas story and put it into 14 verses that laid out exactly how it looked. You see, there's a little history to what John's doing here. Do you realize that John starts out with the very first words that the book of Genesis starts out with? These are the scriptures that Moses wrote. These are the scriptures that they would have referred to as the Pentateuch, the first five books of what we call our traditional Old Testament. The good Jews of that day would have known that like the back of their hand. And so for him to start the Christmas story within the beginning, he's saying, guys, if you think this whole thing started when that baby was born that night in a stable, it started way before that. This plan that God has unfolded in front of you, this life that you get to walk out because of who he is, started in the beginning. And then he goes on to talk about the Word. If you want to understand this story a little bit better, you can read it along to yourself. And every time it says the Word, you can put Jesus. But see, John had a reason why he used the Word, the Word. To the Jews that were reading what he was writing, the Word meant the law. It meant all that had come before. It meant all that the God that they understood had been and stood for. The word that was there when creation happened. The actual God himself who spoke and created. It was all written down. It was all tangible. It was all very real, but yet didn't have flesh. To the Gentile who was reading this, The word referred to in Greek philosophy, it was the second of their trilogy. Because you see, Greek philosophy has a trilogy God too. And in their trilogy God, the second part of their trilogy is all about the mind. The things that happen in your mind that never come out. The word that happens, the things you think. And so when he called Jesus the word, he was saying, this is the God of the law. The God who was there from the beginning. The God who was a part of all of creation. And this is God who inhabits the very person of who you are and can live and breathe inside of you and your mind and your thoughts. And he rocked their world. And so he continues to call Jesus the Word. He talks about John the Baptist. Making sure that everybody knew that he wasn't talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist wasn't the Word. The Word was coming. And then the Word became human. 
The message version of the Bible for this particular verse says, And it became flesh and moved among our neighborhoods. I love that. I think sometimes we think that Jesus started, and we talk about that he's part of the the Trinity, and we talk about that he's part of the three of the Godhead, and we think we understand that, and yet every time we tell the Christmas story, we give it this beginning of his birth. If you look back in Genesis, just a few verses after in the beginning, God begins to create, and in his creation, he says, let us make, let us Jesus was there. Just as God has always been, Jesus has always been. And then suddenly they realize. That in our humanity, the only way we're ever going to get it, the only way that the word will ever ring true to who we are, the only way that the law and the God of the Old Testament, the only way that the things that stir around in our mind and our heart are ever going to come together and make any sense at all is if the word becomes flesh. And Jesus said, I'll do it. can't imagine what that conversation must have looked like. I realize they're all one and like, I can't wait to get to heaven and like figure all that out and like my little bitty human brain doesn't always get it all, but I think I do, you know. Everybody tries to explain it. It's like an egg. It's like a I don't know what it's like. It's like the creator of the universe said, I love these people so much I'm going to do something about it. Jesus knew when he took on flesh what it meant. He knew that it meant that he would have to grow up. He also knew that it meant to fulfill all of the prophecies before. To make it all make sense. And once again, fulfill the word of the law And the word that happens inside of us is that he would have to die. And yet on that night, he graced the world with his presence. can't imagine what it would have been like to be Jesus' mother. I think it would have been even worse to be his brother or his sister. Because this is where God math comes in. He was 100% human, and he was 100% God. What is it? 
like to toilet train God? Come on, you never thought of that? What is it like to watch God go through puberty? What is it like to watch love incarnate? This particular version of the Bible describes Jesus as being full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Unfailing love. We as humans don't even know how to wrap our mind around that. Because we've never loved anyone without failing. And we've never been loved without somebody failing. And yet God says, I am full of unfailing love. I'm never going to let you down. You may not understand it. It may not look like you thought it was going to look. Your story may unfold in a way that people go, what in the world? And God just whispers, remember, I'm unfailing. We talked last week about the fruits of the Spirit and how we can only manifest the things that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And we talked about joy, but the very first thing on that list is love. Because you see, the amazing part about Jesus coming to this earth full of unfailing love that he lavishes on us is that when we choose to be a part of all that he is, he gives us the fruit to love. And so we can begin to love with a love that makes no sense. The NLT says this about love in 1 Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. How are you doing with love? Can you check all that off? Let's look at what the message says. I love to read the message. It helps you study. It helps you maybe understand it just a little bit more. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Hmm. Love doesn't strut. That is really hard in these letter plants. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. 
Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love doesn't reveal when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. Love never looks back, but love keeps going to the end. How are you doing with love? And I don't ask you those questions to guilt you, to say, oh, I, I got some work to do. I ask you those questions to say, if there's some of those things on that list that you can't check off, talk to God about it. He is full of unfailing love. So he wants to pour that out in you so that you can love back to other people. And at Christmas time, this is the time to show love. Because there's going to be somebody out there that pushes your buttons. Somebody's going to show back up in your life that only shows up at Christmas time. That's the way family tends to do. And you're going to want to remember what they did to you last year. You're going to remember, you're going to want to remember the record of their wrongs. And love's going to whisper to your heart and speak some word to you. And say, remember, love keeps no record of wrong. You're going to show up in a situation where you have every opportunity to make yourself look better than everybody else in the room. And love, in its beautiful word, is going to speak to your heart and say, just take a step back. Somebody else needs to see what love looks like. You're going to be put in a situation where you're confronted with people that everybody else said was unlovable. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are just as human and they have just as beautiful a soul as anybody else on this world. And love, in its beautiful word, is going to speak to your heart and say, show who I am. Love. It's a great big word. That means a lot of things. But for me, on this day, in this season, love means the Word took on flesh and became human and dwelt among us. And He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And if I choose to be a part of that life, that life that John talks about in just the verses above, that reborn life, We didn't actually physically get born again, but our life got reconstructed, right? When I make that choice, then that means that the things that they tell me in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit and that it can manifest itself in me because I've surrendered all that I am to all that He is. And all of a sudden, love comes out. And love looks like it does in 1 Corinthians 13. Let me go back to the other version. And all of a sudden, Christmas 
looks like love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. May love be the word that camps out in who you are this Christmas. Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning so grateful. So grateful for a Christmas story that unfolds in the book of John that doesn't necessarily talk about a stable and a pregnant lady, but it definitely tells us the Christmas story. Thank you for being here from the beginning. For taking on flesh. And for showing us what love looks like. And because of that, we can end with this. We love you so much. Amen.